Again, good morning. This morning, um, we are starting our new sermon series on uh, the book of Acts called Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to just encourage you uh, to go ahead and open your Bible or your Bible app to Acts, app to Acts chapter 1. We're going to start there this morning. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the blue Bibles in a seat near you and open to page 770. Um, but we'll start with Acts this morning. Um, as you're doing that, just uh, to kind of set things up, uh, you know, when Langley and I first visited uh, Apostles uh, a little over a year ago, one of the things that really stood out to us was just the sheer number of people that were part of this community that really had had a personal and life-changing encounter with Jesus, um, almost to a person that we talked to when we visited. And what was really interesting is um, over the course of the past year, I've discovered that uh, out of that, there is a deep and abiding hunger uh, among uh, the people of this community. There's a hunger um, for uh, this, this fact that we want more of what we've gotten a taste of. We want more, uh, for example, of, uh, of Scripture. We want biblical and, and solid theological teaching and preaching. We want more uh, not only of God's word, but of worship and of prayer. And there's a real hunger um, for the person and the work of the Holy Spirit uh, within our community. And so I believe that the Lord has given us this hunger, uh, but it's just the beginning. It's just a starting point, that these are seeds that God has planted within our church. Like, uh, they're, they're kind of like a, a bed of hot coals. And, and God just wants to blow on those and kind of fan the flame of really of what he has begun to do uh, at Apostles Houston. And so I, my sense is that as we kind of step more fully into this season together, um, we're going to see God do things that we can't even anticipate. Um, he's going to amaze us. He's going to lead us to places that we can't even imagine uh, going at this point in the life of our church. But God is going to take us there. Um, we uh, have, have stepped into this vision that we begin to articulate this way. We say we're a community of people following Jesus in Houston. And really, if you had to boil that down, that vision is kind of saying, look, we want more of what God has begun. What God has done, we want to follow him in. We want to follow you, Lord Jesus, into this life together so that we might be the church in Houston. And so as we press into this, um, we're just praying that. As we press into this series on Acts, Lord, would you take us where you want to take us and lead us where you want to lead us? Um, because, again, I think God has given us this taste Right, this taste of what it's going to be like, what he's going to do, and where he's going to lead us. Because as great as it is, as great as it has been, um, we want to go beyond. We want the Lord to take us beyond where we are now uh, to where he wants to lead us. And so that's why this week we're going to start working our way through the book of Acts. Um, because Acts is a powerful and compelling picture of what can happen when a community becomes uh, a vibrant, growing, healthy, spirit-filled church on mission. And so we're going to take a look at Acts because we want to see what it looks like when a church says yes to the Holy Spirit. We want to see what it looks like when a church says yes, we want more of you, Jesus. And so we're going to look at that together. And as we do that, I do want to share, you know, over the summer, this has been my focus. I've read a lot, I've prayed a lot, thought about this a lot, and I've become convinced that in the midst of this series on Acts, that the Lord wants to use this to shake us up, <laughs> that God wants to shake us up. And that means that he wants to kind of get us to a place where he's going to mess with us 
uh, during this series. And that's a good thing. Um, but it does make me a little nervous, if I'm totally honest. I was having lunch with a friend this past week, and I, I just confided. I just said, look, as I've been preparing and sensing what the Lord wants to do in this, I really am a little bit nervous because I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point in this series, I'm going to make every single person upset with me for a different reason. I'm, just, I'm almost convinced of it because, I, again, I think God wants to shake us up. And he wants to take us to a new place. And part of that is, um, is because I have a real sense uh, that what the Lord wants to do in us um, is going uh, to be life-giving, but it's going to be challenging um, for all of us. You know, a few weeks ago, I, I went and received prayer from one of the prayer teams and uh, received a word. Um, and I think it wasn't just a word for me. I think it was a word for our whole church. And this was the word. It was that God wants to free us from our fear so we can follow him where he wants to lead us. That God wants to free us from our fear so that we can follow where he wants to lead us. You know, we all have fears, and especially um, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I think we all have some fear, some anxiety. Now, some of us, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're, we're on this side of the fence. You know, we, we, we're afraid uh, of becoming an overly intellectual church, a church um, that's committed to order and tradition, a church of Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? That's, that's our fears, that we're going to drift in that direction. And what would happen is that that would, that would kind of quench the work and the freedom of the Holy Spirit to be at work among us, that it would somehow dampen the power of the Spirit in our community. And then some of us are on this other side of the fence, right? Some of us are afraid that we're going to focus too much on the Holy Spirit. You know, that we might actually allow ourselves to focus so much on the, on the Holy Spirit that somehow we become untethered from, from biblical truth and from sound doctrine. And that we would actually drift in the direction of some kind of chaos and craziness and the abuses that some of us have witnessed and kind of more charismatic expressions of the church. And I think um, the danger is that we allow our fears to let us settle and drift and be divided into these two separate camps as we press in um, to this season together where we're looking at the acts of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to ask all of us to do, myself included, um, as we enter into this together, is that we would actually ask God uh, to help us bring our fears to him that we would ask God to help us bring our fears before him and trust that the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, can help move us beyond our fears. So that as we draw near to God and we see more clearly his mission and his spirit, that Jesus himself would become more real to us than he has ever been before. And that's just going to mean we have to set aside our fears and allow God to mess with us, right? So, a couple of practical things as we begin. Um, The first is this. Um, We're going to work through the entire book of Acts. Um, And it's going to take us a while. So this will take us all the way um, pretty much to to Palm Sunday. So we're going to be in Acts for a while. And we're just going to work through it. Um, But what that doesn't mean is I'm going to preach on every verse in Acts. I'm not going to preach on every verse in Acts. Um, We're going to do this in chunks. Um, And so each week I'll focus on a few verses out of those chunks and we'll kind of key in on those verses. But what that means is something very important. What it means is that we together need to be reading through the book of Acts on our own. Um, Because Acts is a historical narrative. And so if if you only get 
the kind of focused things that we talk about on Sundays, you won't have the context for what God is actually doing and saying in the book of Acts. So that means that we all need to accept this invitation to read the book of Acts together. And there's a few things that we are going to do that are going to help you to do that. And the first is this. Um, We've created a daily reading plan. Uh, that we'll have up on the website later today. And it just walks you through the book of Acts, and you can follow along. And the great thing is we'll all be reading it at the same time together. And so we'll just enter on this journey together to read through the book of Acts. And you can find that on apostleshouston.org. Um, second thing is we're going to provide discussion guides for life groups that help connect with the sermon and the text that we talk about. So just another touch point if you're in a life group. It would be a great thing. All the life groups will be doing the same thing, looking at Acts. And then the third thing we're going to do um, is that I've given you a, a card. Does anybody have their card they can hold up? Did you all get those this morning? Yeah, there's one right there. Can you hold it up real high? Awesome. Thank you, Tim. So these are uh, cards that have the list of what we're going to be doing in the series. Um, they're on the table out there if you didn't get one. At the bottom, there are resources listed, um, several books that I would highly recommend to you um, that talk about Acts and talk about the Holy Spirit, and they will help you as we really enter in this journey together. So the second thing as we start is this. There is a lot of debate about how to read Acts, a lot of discussion And the debate really is around this. Some say Acts is uh, to be read descriptively. In other words, it's a a retelling of what happened in the early church. It's the story of the early church, and it describes those events. So it's descriptive. On the other hand, some people say it's prescriptive, right? It's prescriptive, and what it means is this is normative, and this is the model for what it means to be the church today. And so the question is, well, which is it? Is it descriptive or is it prescriptive? And my shorter answer is, Yes, it is. It absolutely is both. It's prescriptive and descriptive. And so I'll be kind of walking us through that because the key thing there is to understand at which point it's doing which thing, at which point it's descriptive and which point it's prescriptive. And so we'll look at that together as we go. But just so you're aware, that's how I'm approaching this as we uh, look at Acts together, that we're looking at it as both prescriptive and descriptive. So this morning what I want to do is I want us to focus on Acts chapter 1. So again, look at Acts chapter 1 uh, with me, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, and we're going to focus on one verse, and that is verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Um, and the reason we're going to focus on this verse is um, because this is the anchor verse for the entire book of Acts. This is kind of like a theme verse that really sets the stage and helps us understand what is happening as we read through Acts. Um, Jesus has been crucified, uh, he's risen from the dead, and he's about to ascend to heaven. And as he is leaving his followers, um, he says these words to them. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so if this is the anchor of Acts, then I want to kind of dive into this and really understand what is it that Jesus is saying to his followers and to us today um, as he ascended and returned to heaven and left the Holy Spirit. And, and really, I think Jesus' words could be summarized in three Ps. Now, I took this from a guy named Matt Chandler because I'm not a big alliteration guy, but these three Ps are perfect, I think, to help us understand what's going on here. And these are Matt's three Ps. He says the three Ps are power right? Purpose and plan. This is all about power, purpose, and plan. So first, power. Jesus promises the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower 
his followers. Uh, we read just a few moments ago in Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And again, he says in Acts chapter 1 here, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So the question is, what does Jesus mean? What is he getting at? First, it's important to remember that the New Testament makes it very clear that every person who is saved has the Holy Spirit within them. Salvation, in other words, never comes apart from the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, no one can know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what 1 Corinthians 12, 3 tells us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, what it means is you have the Holy Spirit. You have the very Spirit of the living God within you. And so that kind of begs the question, well, what, what is happening here? And what happens over and over in Acts? Sometimes it's described this way, uh, clothed in power, uh, coming upon you, filling, baptizing, anointing, all these kind of instances of the Spirit kind of coming on a person again and again in the book of Acts. And the question is uh, asked, then, well, is there some kind of second kind of thing that happens, a second giving of the Spirit or a separate baptism of the Spirit? And in short, what I would say is, no, there isn't. There isn't a second baptism in the Spirit. Uh, the reality is there are many baptisms in the Spirit. The reality is that there are many fillings and many anointings. And what we see in Acts, and we see here in the earliest chapters, is that something happens over and over and over again, even in the life of an individual follower of Jesus, where the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, is poured out on a person. So regardless of what we call it, whether it's baptism in the Spirit, filling of the Spirit, the Spirit coming upon us, being clothed in power, the point is that it happens many times. It can happen many times in the life of a follower of Jesus. And that's really important because that means there's a difference um, between kind of living as a follower of Jesus who has the Spirit within them and being clothed with power from on high. Or, as Jesus says here, having the Spirit come on you, come upon you. Now, to help us get our heads around this difference, um, there's an illustration, illustration I think will be really helpful. It was for me. Um, uh, sometimes um, we'll walk our kids to school. So we live a few blocks away from Travis Elementary, and we'll walk our kids to school. And sometimes Bennett, our four-year-old, he'll come along with us to walk him to school. And he's still kind of young enough that he wants to hold my hand while we walk down the street. And so I love that. So we'll walk down the street, you know, hand in hand, and he loves to hold my hand because uh, it, it reminds him that I'm there, that it's safe, uh, and that I love him, and it makes him happy. So we walk down the street hand in hand, father and son. Um, but sometimes, every once in a while, um, I'll scoop him up, right? I'll, I'll kind of grab him, and I'll, I, I do this thing where I tell him I'm going to eat him. You know, so I'm like, all right, all right I'm going to eat you, you know, and I just give him lots of kisses, and I tell him, I love you. And when I do that, he, he just laughs and he giggles and he smiles. He gets this amazing smile on his face. And there's just a whole nother level of his experience of my love when that happens, right? When I kind of scoop him up. It's startling, but it's also this kind of joyful, amazing thing. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book uh, about the Holy Spirit called Unspeakable Joy, says that is what it's like. That's what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it's a great analogy. He says, as followers of Jesus, we walk through life hand in hand with the Father, knowing we have the Holy Spirit, knowing that we're loved and safe. And there is a joy 
and assurance that comes from his presence in our life. But when we are clothed with power on high, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, when we experience this supernatural anointing and filling with the Holy Spirit, then this whole different level of, uh, of God's love and experiencing that love comes upon us. Lloyd-Jones writes it this way. He says, uh, when we're filled with the Spirit, he says, it's as if the fuses of love are so overloaded that they almost blow out. He says, the doubts, conscious and subconscious, are gone, and in their place is utter and indestructible assurance so that you know, that you know, that you know that God is real and that Jesus lives and that you are saved and that to be saved is the greatest thing in the world. And so you walk down the street and you can scarcely contain yourself. And you want to cry out, my father loves me. My father loves me. Oh, what a great father I have. What a father, what a father. That's what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to say is, that's what we long for. Right? We long for God to startle us and scoop us up and to experience that level of intimacy and pouring out of God's love and power in our lives. We long for that. And the Apostle Paul says that is a good and right thing for us to long for, that we ought to pray for this kind of feeling, that we ought to earnestly seek it because God, our loving Father, he wants all of us to experience that in our lives. Now, this is important um, because what if you are sitting here today and what I've just described, you're not sure you've ever actually experienced anything quite like that in your life. Does that mean that you're not a Christian? Does that mean there's something wrong with you? And what I want to say is absolutely not. You have the Spirit of God. You are loved. You have all the riches of Christ in you as a follower of Jesus. You are not deficient and you are not broken. You are not lacking in anything from God. And that is so important. It's so important for us to start with that reality. Because if we pursue the filling of the Holy Spirit out of an insecurity or out of an anxiety, because we think that somehow we're lacking, then what will happen is we'll be attempted to control and use that power of the Holy Spirit to our own ends. We'll make the Holy Spirit out to be kind of like a genie in a bottle, right? That we can somehow um, harness and, and control and we can use to make us happy. And I, I bring that up because this idea has it's bled into the church, Right? There's all this kind of bad theology and false gospels out there. Um, name it, claim it, and word of faith, and prosperity gospel. And it is in the water in Houston. And it is bleeding into the church. And so we need to be very aware of what we're talking about here when we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. The idea that if we say or pray the right words, if we do it this way or that way, that God somehow is then compelled to act is not true. The power of the Holy Spirit is not ours to leverage or to control for our own sake or even to its own end. It has a greater purpose. It has a greater purpose. And Jesus makes that point in Acts 1.8. So this is the second P, the purpose. What is the purpose of this power, this indwelling power of the Holy Spirit? It is that we might be witnesses. Jesus said, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians 4 that we seek the Spirit, we ask for His filling, but that we do not do so for our own sake. We do it for the building up of the body so that other people might look at our lives and they might see the reality of the kingdom at work in us. Now, this doesn't mean necessarily, though, that, that 
all witnessing is only done through the filling of the Spirit. It doesn't only happen through this kind of supernatural power of the Spirit. Again, as followers of Jesus, we all have the Spirit within us. He dwells in us and he lives out in the midst of our day-to-day reality and helps us bear witness. The Holy Spirit is present with me. He helps me understand. He helps me walk in wisdom. He equips me to follow Jesus, to live out of strength and joy and faith. But God also chooses to demonstrate his love for others by filling us with his empowering Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said greater things will do than what he did? Does that mean that we're going to be able to go around and feed thousands and thousands of people with five loaves and two fish? Does it mean we can walk up to a funeral procession and lay our hand on the casket and say, rise, get up, and raise someone from the dead? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe it means that. But I think that misses the point of what Jesus is saying here. Could God do that? Yes. God could certainly do that through any one of us. But this isn't about kind of one-upping Jesus in the miracle department, right? While we're called to do what Jesus did, we're not called to be Jesus. Jesus was unique. And in a sense, the miracles that Jesus did were also unique. And so we walk in and we, we, we walk in the confidence that miracles are for us. We believe that here. We believe that, that we are called as God's people to pray for miracles and to expect God to do the miraculous in our midst. But it is for the purpose of witness. It is for the purpose of witness. As a church, we want to experience more of God's supernatural power in our midst. We want to be a church that exercises the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But why? That's the important question. Why? And it's not so that we can have an intense emotional or supernatural experience just to ourselves. It's not so that we can pack this place out and fill seats. It's not so that we can say, look what we did. But to draw people to Jesus. That's the work of the Spirit, is to draw people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind us over and over and over again of our need for Jesus. To help us realize that Jesus really is everything for us. A professor of mine, um, a guy named Dale Bruner, he used to describe it this way. He used to say, it's like you have a big curtain, and the Holy Spirit stands behind the curtain. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see him reaching around the curtain and pointing to Jesus, who stands at the center stage. It's all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's role is to make much of Jesus. And so as we look to the Holy Spirit, this is what we're asking for. When he delivers, when he heals, when he speaks, it's not just to bless me, it's to bless others around me. It's to bear witness. It's to open up hardened hearts to the beauty and the truth of the gospel, to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so there's the power and there's the purpose to be witnesses. So what's God's plan? God's plan is this that we would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. That's God's plan. You see, Jesus' followers thought he had come to establish this earthly political kingdom in Jerusalem. But Jesus' vision was so much bigger than that. 
so much greater. When the Holy Spirit came, they would be filled with a power that would allow them to fulfill the commission that he had given them, to carry on what he began, to become those who heralded the inbreaking kingdom of God, not just in Jerusalem, not just in the region, but to the whole world. That was God's vision, this expanding kingdom that knew no borders. And it's this expansion of God's kingdom that provides the outline for the entire book of Acts. This verse provides us with the outline. This is exactly what unfolds in the book of Acts. The first seven chapters focus on Jerusalem, chapters 8 through 11 on Judea and Samaria, and then chapters 11 through 28 expand out into the known world at the time, to the ends of the earth. And so what begins in Jerusalem, it begins to bust through and break through and cross all these cultural and economic and racial boundaries. That means there's nothing and no one that's beyond the rescuing and redeeming power of God and his kingdom. But it also means that God's kingdom expands and is pushing back another kingdom, the kingdom of evil and of darkness. Satan and his kingdom receive a setback, in other words, every time the kingdom pushes forward by the power of the Holy Spirit, through healing, through a demon being cast out, every time a person places their trust in Jesus, every time a person of a different race and a culture live in harmony, every time injustice is exposed and set right, every time we maintain God's standard of holiness in our lives and in our families, the kingdom goes forth and the kingdom of evil and darkness is pushed back. And that is what the book of Acts is telling us. It's telling us this incredible story of the expanding mission of Jesus carried out through his followers in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's our story. That mission is our mission. As followers of Jesus, we are sent out, right, to be, for Jesus, witnesses of his kingdom. You have the spirit within you. But Jesus says you need more than just the spirit within you. You need to receive and be filled again and again with the power of the Holy Spirit for this mission. And so that's what, what we want to ask God to do in our midst. If we want to see God transform lives, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. And he will. Jesus has promised. He promises right here that he will do that. He will fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want to see our children grow and know and follow Jesus for their whole lives, long after we're gone, if that's what we want, we need to pray that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus will answer that prayer. If we want people in Alpha, you know, to know and understand God's love for them in Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit. If we want to minister to the kids that, that are marginalized and forgotten at Love Elementary right down the street, we need the Holy Spirit to do that. If in our own lives, if we want to be set free from our addictions and our habitual sins and the shame and the guilt that dogs us and eats away at our souls, if we want to be healed and delivered from the sickness and the disease and the evil and the injustice in our own lives, then we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit. And so that's why Acts 1.8 is our prayer. It is our prayer as we go through Acts that the Holy Spirit would come upon us, Christ's church, and empower us so that we might be kingdom witnesses. That through his church and by his spirit and for his glory, God's kingdom might come here in Houston. Would you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your spirit who lives within us as followers of Jesus. Lord, as we embark on this journey through the book of Acts, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us. And Lord, we may be still wrestling with what that means, or we may even be questioning um, how is that work? How is that relevant for us? But Lord, you tell us that you want to give us this gift, that you want to pour out your Holy Spirit. And so Lord, even in our doubts, even in our questions, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us because you tell us you long to do that and that it is good for us. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and lead us, that you would come and fill us, that you would come and equip us to be a people who are part of your kingdom work in the city of Houston. We pray that you would help us to set aside our fears and draw near to your heart, that you might become more and more real in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you would please stand.